Good morning, good afternoon, good evening for everyone, for the brothers, to the brothers and sisters in various countries, a very warm greeting, and for the brothers and sisters present here with me on this day, a greeting, God bless you greatly. And to all of you there, I hope that you are reading the Bible, that you feel that desire in your heart to research the Lord's path. Research and read the Bible with all your heart, and God will begin to give you revelations, and he will show you his truth. That is what our God does. He gives us answers in dreams or visions, but generally in dreams, he shows a person, he guides them, he comforts them. The Lord gives many answers concerning our personal life, people's personal life. So we are not alone. We are with a living God. And today we're going to touch on a topic that we've already gone over during the time of the pandemic, but it's never enough to review again. Because there are people that are new, people who did not hear this, this sermon throughout the pandemic. So, well, it's always good to review again. And for the newcomers, first-time guests, you learn. And the brothers and sisters who've heard this, this sermon time and time again are going to become teachers of the Lord's Word. So you may be seated and you can get comfortable. And we today have prepared to read in 1 John. We are going to read 1 John in chapter 1. 1 John. Now, let's not confuse ourselves with the gospel according to John, with the epistles, the letters of John. Which, well, it's the same apostle, but in his epistles, he's a bit more specific with his teachings. And he also bears witness of what he experienced, what he saw, what he heard from our Lord Jesus Christ when they were walking together. There in these first days, months, years of the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of good tidings of salvation. So John was a witness and he, according to what he saw from the Lord, that is exactly what he shares. But of course, it is with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, before we begin in that scripture, I would like to greet with great affection, the brothers and sisters in Argentina, all the churches in Argentina, and all of the churches in Brazil, because they are always very attentive, and they write to me and say, Sister, why don't you ever greet us? You never send us a greeting since you haven't really come to visit us. And I would love to come and visit all places. I'd love to have wings and fly like a bird to visit all of the churches, but it's impossible. We don't have wings. So 
We have to be content with this video thanks to technology. And I am close to you. I am there. I am imagining you all very attentive to the sermon and to the reading. Your hearts are attentive to learn about God and that's what's important. And so do not be jealous all the other countries if I'm not mentioning you, but send me a list and then I'll start to greet everyone. All right, brothers and sisters, so today we're going to discuss the fact that God is light. God is light. Our Lord Jesus Christ is light. We're going to discuss the light of God. This light that God made from the very beginning, when in Genesis 1, it says that God made light. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Also, God speaking of a light that was not physical, he spoke of two different lights, but mainly it was this light that was not physical. But the Lord did create that physical light so that we, as human beings, could understand what light was. Had he not made light, and he speaks in the Bible about light, then we wouldn't understand what light was. But now we know. We know that a light shines, and we can see with it more clearly when the light is on. And that is how our God is. He is light in our lives, a light in our hearts. And before we read 1 John chapter 1, which what is what we prepared today, we're going to read first in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, in chapter 1. In the Gospel according to John, chapter 1, and we're going to be reading here up to verse number 10. The Gospel according to John 1.10, it reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this was in reference to the Father and the Son. The Father and the Son as a light that shines in darkness, as a light that shines to all men and women, those who perhaps are ignorant of the Lord's path. And in verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And that was in reference to our Lord Jesus Christ. And without Him, without Jesus Christ, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So it was all in Jesus Christ. There was life in him, eternal life. And this life, it was the light of humanity. And the light shines in the darkness, verse 5. So the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
Now we know that darkness, it is the negative forces, evil forces, it is the devil, God's enemy. He, he and everything he does and he teaches, it is darkness. He lives in darkness. For him, light does not exist. But it says that this darkness, where this light is shining onto men, well, the enemy had wanted, wanted to dim them, turn them off perhaps, but he was not able to because that light prevails, because God's word prevails always and forever because God is far more mighty and powerful. And in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, and he was a witness of the prophets, the prophets of antiquity, of the prophets like, for example, the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah prophesied concerning the appearance or the coming or the birth of John. He was that voice that spoke in the wilderness, that cried out in the wilderness, but that wilderness, it was the empty hearts without God. That's how people lived. And so he came to preach, to speak. He was that voice, a voice crying out in the wilderness. And John came. And he spoke, and he preached, and he taught all of the people, and he said to them, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he who gives eternal life follows after me. He will save you. He will make you happy. He will bless you. I am not worthy to loosen his sandal strap. That it was who was sent from God. This was that man spoken of in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness. This was the testimony of Isaiah. And it was to bear witness of the light. And that light was our Lord Jesus Christ. It says that all through him might believe. He... Verse number eight, he was not that light. John was not that light, but John was sent to bear witness of that light. He was there to speak of Christ, that true light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world. That light was already in the world. He was there from the beginning. It says that in the beginning, when God created the universe, he was present that light was there. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. So he was already in the world. And again, the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he was present from the foundation of the world. He was there with the people of Israel. He was there with the prophets. He was with those great men who did God's will, who pleased God. And he taught them, he protected them, watched over them, helped them so that they could do the work that God had entrusted them to do well. And he presented himself as the angel of God. This is why it says that this true light, 
that shines on every man. He was in the world, but the world did not know him. Now, that's where we will stop reading that light. That light that God sent to the world to give us joy, to offer us eternal life. And so that all of us may enjoy while we are alive in this body, we should enjoy God's greatness, his wonders, his love, his mercy. But we should also give to him what he deserves for he is worthy. And again, we are speaking of that light of the world. God is that light. Jesus Christ is that light. And in Psalm 27, let's continue talking a little bit more about light so that we can then start reading that epistle of John in chapter 1. But first, let's continue reading about that light in Psalm 27, in verse number 1. In Psalm 27, verse 1 reads, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So who should I be afraid of or fear? Why should I fear? Who? Who could ever rise against me when I am in the light of God? Who should I fear? It says, the Lord is the strength of my life, of our life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Or who should we be afraid of? In no moment or in any way should we be afraid of anyone. It is good to walk with God. It is good to walk in this light that shines. And in Psalm 36, 9. Psalm 36, 9. It reads, For with you, for with our God, is the fountain of life. Thanks be to our God for these promises. What wonderful promises they are. It says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. So in your light, Eternal Father, we see light which is your Son. That is it. It's that word of life. In your light we see light. And that is how today, here, from the moment we began to read the Bible, from the moment that we arrived for the first time and God spoke to us through the gift of prophecy, the Holy Spirit speaking, using the mouth of men and women who had the gift of prophecy, God convinced us. He has convinced us all. And here we are. We are standing before that light and how beautiful it is to walk in the Lord's path. 
in Psalm 43, Psalm 43, in verse number 3, which reads, O send out your light. This is what we plead to God. Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Light, the light and truth of God will lead us, will guide us. It will conduct us to that holy hill and to your tabernacle. Blessed is the Lord. Now, the holy hill, this tabernacle, this is something beautiful because our Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples, I am leaving, but I go to prepare dwellings. For in the house of my father, there are many dwellings. I will prepare a place for you all. And the Lord tells us the same. That if we are faithful, that if we continue and press onward in this path until the very end, that he has a dwelling place for us. Those eternal dwellings. And so verse 3 again, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and it's to your presence and to your tabernacle or your dwelling places. How beautiful that is to reflect upon the word of God. Psalm 112. Psalm 112 in verse 4. It reads, Onto the upright there arises light in the darkness. Now, when did this happen? Well, this verse has already been fulfilled. This prophecy has come to pass. For that light arose in that darkness for the upright. And it says that it arised because our Lord Jesus Christ appeared. John said, I am not the light. I bear witness of the light that is coming. He follows after me. This light is coming to shine. And the upright, those who set their hearts for God, to all of those who have prepared their hearts since then, their hearts for the Lord, it says he, he shines on them. For it says, unto the upright, there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Our God is merciful. He is gracious, full of compassion, and he is very patient. We cannot disappoint him. We cannot lose heart in this path. We must continue. Continue even if we have burdens, heavy burdens. He will lighten that burden along the way and he will shine on us. And he is shining. He is guiding and leading us. He is teaching us his truth. 
So we must be strong, we must be courageous, and continue on. And now we're going to take a look here in the book of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, in chapter 9. Isaiah 9, in verse number 1. It reads, In Isaiah, in verse, chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it reads, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And this was in reference here to the suffering that, that the tribe of Judah had. That tribe that God had elected for himself. It was his capital, Jerusalem, and God there in Jerusalem had commanded a temple to be built where he would be manifesting himself once a year through the high priest. And there in that temple, God awaited for all people, all the inhabitants to visit and bring offerings and sacrifices and to praise God to glorify the name of the Lord and to honor him as he deserves. And as that people or that physical people did not fulfill, but they disappointed the Lord, they followed after idolatry and many other sins. And so God decided to destroy that physical part, to destroy the city, to destroy everyone, to remove the name that he had appointed to them as the children of God or the holy nation or the chosen one of God, Zion, Jerusalem. So God changed it, took away that physical part, and the Lord, he already in his plan had decided to physically punish those who had not fulfilled nor valued and cherished God's word. This is why in that time the prophets, when they prophesied, the Holy Spirit would use them to prophesy about the physical part, but also it was spiritual. And concerning the physical part, yes, people suffered bitterly and they wept. They were anguished when they saw the destruction of everything and when they realized that the title God had given them had been stripped, had been finalized, and now they were being humiliated by other nations, yet God still had a plan for the future, which, which was his spiritual Jerusalem, his spiritual Zion, everything now in the spiritual sense. And it would come through this light that would shine which or who was our Lord Jesus Christ. He was that light that came. So this is why the prophet, he says, nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, which was that physical Jerusalem, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. God already here is mentioning he was now going to form his people, 
his people made up of people that were not just from the people of Israel, but from other nations, with many strangers and foreigners, the Galilee of the Gentiles. They were the strangers, foreigners who would be participating in God's light. We consider ourselves to be Gentiles, and here we are, enjoying God's light. So in verse number two, it reads, The people who walked in darkness, referring to that physical Jerusalem, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This was when our Lord Jesus Christ appeared, appeared preaching and working miracles and signs trying to convince them all that he was the one who God had sent, that he was the promised one, he was the king that God had spoken so much about through his prophets. That was that light. It says, They, these people, have seen a great light, those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them a light has shined. And for example, who were those in the land of the shadow of death at that time? Well, the apostles themselves, they were the first who were chosen by that light. The first to be suffering, to living in slavery. And it says that they dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, meaning of sadness, bitterness. There was no peace. There was no joy. There was no word of God manifested. And for them... Upon them a light has shined. Glory to the Lord. Thanks be to our God. And from there on out, this light began to shine on all. And in Isaiah 49, Isaiah 49, we continue to discuss this light and what the prophet Isaiah prophesied concerning that light. Isaiah 49, 6, which reads, Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. Now the father is speaking to the son, to that light that he was going to send to the world. I say he was going to send because in Isaiah, we have gone back in time. And he here was speaking about the future. That future was Jesus Christ and his manifestation. Now, going back in time here with the prophet Isaiah, God told his servant, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Glory to our God. It's so that he could be salvation to the ends of the earth, where all now had a right to enjoy this light sent by our God. All. It was no longer the people of Israel, but all. He or she who believed, thanks be to our God for his wonderful promise made to the apostles when he told them, go preach the gospel throughout all the world. And those who believe and are baptized shall be saved. That is how the word would be preached in every corner 
of the world or of the earth. This light shining, this light which is shining today, this light, it is life. It is the life that we are waiting for one day after death. We then await for that eternal life and that light will always shine on us. Glory to our God. And in 60, Isaiah chapter 60, Isaiah 61 to 3, it reads, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. He is speaking to the church. He is speaking to the assembly of the saints, to the children of God, to the chosen ones of the Lord. He is speaking to that spiritual Zion, that spiritual Jerusalem that our Lord Jesus Christ would be the one in charge of founding. And this is why he says, arise. He tells the church, arise, shine. For your light has come, Jesus Christ has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. So it is the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Gentiles shall come to your light. Glory to God. The Gentiles shall come to your light, confirming that all nations have the right to have salvation, to have eternal life, to have this light that shines on all nations. It's no longer one nation called Israel, but now all. It says the Gentiles shall come to your light. Because our Lord Jesus Christ, as that light, he was shining on his church and along the way shining on all nations. Those who in any nation prepare their hearts for God and convert to God and cherish God and want to follow his ways. So this is the promise. It says the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings or the rulers or whoever is governing in the world. It says they will come to the brightness of your rising, the brightness of the church and the manifestation of the church of Jesus Christ, the manifestation of the children of God. This is why in all churches, in this congregation, all, all are seeking, all of the pastors, all are seeking to have in each congregation, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. It is to continue to expand this word, this light of the Lord, so that it shines on all. This is the search that we are all in because God has so taught us, thanks be to the Lord. So this wonderful light now we go lastly, speaking of this light to Matthew. In Matthew. Matthew 4. In Matthew 4. 
verse 12 to 16, it reads, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, this was his prophecy when he said, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, which we already read, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. So they have seen the manifestation of Jesus Christ. It says the Lord, he worked thousands of miracles, signs, and wonders that could not be written. The apostles, they could not write all of the things that they saw from the Lord and the things he did. Only a little bit was left as a testimony to all of us, for us. And it says in verse 16, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, meaning all of those who were ignorant of God's word, who did not know the things of God. And it says, Upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned, because all of them, they were benefited later on by this light. And they received God's blessing. And there were many miracles Many wonders that were worked in all of those people who not necessarily were Israelites or Jews, meaning they were not part of the, the land of Judah, but they, they too, as Gentiles, they enjoyed the wonders of that true light. And just as today, we are enjoying this light and we yearn for many to accompany us and to join us in the congregation to seek this true God, to have his blessings. There are many people and they say, it's difficult, but if we love God, for those who love God, it is not hard because God helps them. And we will fight and we will continue on. And now, let us open the epistle of 1 John, which is what we have prepared to read today. The first epistle of John. And now we're going to read what John says in verse 1. Of chapter 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Now, John says that they heard, they saw with their eyes, they have handled with their hands. It was palpable to their hands everything that our Lord Jesus Christ did because they saw it. And they even touched him. They were near him. 
They saw him. They ate with him. They, do, they slept next to him. They heard his teachings. And what a privilege John had. This is what he is expressing here. And then John says in verse number two, the life meaning eternal life, which is Jesus Christ. He is who gives it. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. So he says, this eternal life that had been offered by our Lord Jesus Christ, it was with the Father, and that our Lord Jesus Christ taught them. And he said, where salvation came from, and how many things the Lord taught and gave to his apostles that are not written. Unfortunately, not all of the scriptures remain, but with the help of the Holy Spirit today, the Holy Spirit enlightens us. He also guides us. The Holy Spirit gives us discernment. The Holy Spirit shows and reveals so many things, so many mysteries. He reveals things that happened back in that time, back in antiquity. This is what the Holy Spirit does today. He teaches us because he is with us. Because that is the promise that Jesus Christ made to his apostles. He said to them, I am leaving, but I will not leave you orphans. I will send the Holy Spirit, the helper, and he will be with you forever. And he will teach you. He will guide you. He will tell you all the things to come, everything that you need to do and how you need to do it. And that is what the Lord did. He fulfilled it. And so today, after 2000 years, we are enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit. We are enjoying the prophecies. We are enjoying the dreams, visions, revelations, discernment. We are enjoying the fact that God gives us power and support to pray for those that are ill, for those who have evil spirits, those who have been victims of witchcraft and sorcery. God has given us this empowerment this ability to pray and to lay on hands and God works the miracle. So we are enjoying, enjoying all of this because Jesus Christ promised that he would send his Holy Spirit and he would be with us forever. He did not say that the Holy Spirit would be with us only for the first century or second century or third century. He did not say that. He said the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. What does this mean? Well, it means that even after death, the Holy Spirit will be with us. Our God will be with us in fullness. And so this is why we feel very happy here. We feel proud. John tells us he doesn't, well, he doesn't specifically say he felt proud, but I'm sure they felt proud of having enjoyed and partaken in that true light. And how beautiful it is 
to speak about God and how beautiful it is to reflect on the written word, it is also very beautiful because there is the Holy Spirit opening our understanding so that we are able to comprehend things and so that it may reach our heart, so that we may experience and enjoy it and we may give God his rightful place. And it says in verse number three, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. That is what John says. So what we saw from the Lord, what we heard from God, that is what we declare and share with all of you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And it is a great mystery. It is a very great mystery to be able to comprehend. To comprehend the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is a mystery, but we must believe it because God taught us that we must believe in those three roles of God. And we have to believe without questioning or doubting. One day we will understand the mystery. One day we will understand it. And in the meantime, we must follow the path that he is teaching us, that he has left written here for us, and that the Holy Spirit is affirming each day in our lives. And in verse 4, in these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. The joy and happiness. Because when it speaks of joy being full, it is a joy that we feel deep down in our being. It is something undescribable. The joy and happiness when the Holy Spirit comes to our being, to our life, we then feel this joy. This is why we sing choruses which say, The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength, the strength of my life. But that joy is this deep happiness that the Holy Spirit gives. It is the Holy Spirit in the heart of a human being. And that human being feels that joy. And you can't express it any other way because there are no words to express it. You can't say, well, the spirit that is in me makes me happy. No, it is the joy of the Lord, the manifestation, the work. It's that feeling of the Holy Spirit in my being. This is what gives me joy and happiness and peace. The joy of the Lord. And it says that he was testifying to them all of these things so that their joy may be full, so that your joy may be full, so that they could partake and also enjoy of the presence of the Holy Spirit, of the presence of this true light. And in verse 5, this is when he mentions that light. This is the me message which we have heard from him, from the Lord, and declare to you. That God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with God, and we walk in darkness, we lie. 
and do not practice the truth. What does it mean to walk in darkness? What does it mean when it is said that we have fellowship with God? When we say we have fellowship with God, it's because we are not sinning. And it says that if any, if any walk in darkness, meaning they are sinning, this person is then a liar. For they do not practice the truth. They are sinning. They are constantly sinning. Constantly. Every day they live in their sin. They cannot say that they live in fellowship with God or that they live in the light of God because they are lying. And we must practice God's truth. There are people who say, it is so hard to change. It is so hard for me to stop drinking. I love alcohol. I drink every day and get drunk because I like it. I can't remove this. I can't go to that church. I can't go to your church because I'm not able to stop drinking. And I remember there was once a man who came to the church for the first time. He came to the church for the first time and received prophecy. He received laying on of hands and prophecy and the Holy Spirit spoke to him through a sister in the church spoke to him and said that he was going to take away his desire to drink alcohol and no longer would he be drinking alcohol nor getting drunk, that he was going to remove this vice. Now, he was angered with this prophecy. He was angered and said, no, I don't accept this. I don't believe it because I don't want to. I love to drink. I don't want to stop. And from here on out, I'm going to drink more and more and more to contradict these people. These people, well, it was us, the congregation. And he himself shares, he went back home. He got back to his home and forgot to drink alcohol that day. And the second day he forgot. Third day he didn't drink. Fourth day he didn't drink when he finally said, well, it's been four days since I haven't drunk. What happened? Well, I have no desire, no appetite for it. He said he was going to drink alcohol and he just had no desire for it. He said, no, I don't want this. And then he remembered the prophecy that he received in the church. So this made him very excited. And he went back to the church to testify. And he went back to the church and testified. And so for him, it was hard. And he was even angered by the prophecy but it is not hard. God is the one who changes. When a person, man or woman, sets their heart for God, they prepare themselves to please God, God then takes away those appetites. Whatever that sin may be, whatever it is, whether it is theft, whether it be fornication, adultery, or lying and conning people, murders. There's so many things. God takes that away. He changes a person, transforms them because he is light. He is life. He is eternal life. And more so if God has a plan with this person, well, with greater reason, he takes away all of these weaknesses from their flesh.
This is why the apostle said here, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So, this is saying that we should not pretend there is no reason to lie. But truly, it is expected that we devote ourselves to God and that he makes of us a new man, a new woman. We are born again in the spiritual sense. We are born with a new mindset, always pleasing God and living in fellowship with the brothers and sisters, with the world, with society. Living a good life and bearing a good testimony, setting a good example. And it says, if we confess, verse number nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Now, what does it mean to confess our sins? What that means is as our sins are offenses, whether it be a lie, you stole from someone, So you have to go and seek that person and ask them for forgiveness and say, Hey, I was envious of you. I hurt you a lot. I repent doing that. I want you to forgive me. And I'm also going to ask God for forgiveness. And you, because I offended you, I deceived you, I lied to you. I conned you. I laughed and mocked you. I slandered you, etc. So many other things. But now I repent because I have God in my heart and I want to be in fellowship with you because I want to have my being and my conscience clean and that only God may dwell in my being. This is what we call to confess our sins. And if it is to God, well then, yes, first and foremost, we say, Lord, I did this, I did that. I went and I stole. I went and I deceived people. I lied to people. I conned many, and I am lying and deceiving people. I have resentment, and I have been getting revenge on some and hurting them. But Lord, forgive me. Help me. Take all of this away from me, because I want to live a holy, pleasing life before you to live in your light and truth. So God, I'm sure he sees I'm sincere, And so he forgives me, changes me, and takes that away. And then I come before those people I have affected. And I ask them to forgive me. But I confess what it is I did. Not that I just come and say, oh, please forgive me. Forgive me for all that I have done. But forgive you for what? What did you do? Well, I did this, this, and that. We have to confess that. That's what this means. When you ask for forgiveness, you need to confess your faults. What is it that you did? That that we call to confess our sins, be it to those around us, to our neighbor, to whoever we have offended, or to our God. Let this be clear. And so, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is the word of our God as light, as truth, and how beautiful it is for God to teach us. And God is with us, guiding us, leading us, the Holy Spirit, so that we live a better life and walk in a righteous path. 
And so we give thanks to our Father for he deserves it all. Our God, he deserves the honor, the glory, all praise. Our God deserves that we give him the first place. He deserves to be in that first place in our life, in our heart, in every aspect that we should truly cherish what God does for us day after day. And we're going to pray and in our prayer, we're going to express to the Lord that he is great, he is righteous, and he is worthy of all praise. That he is worthy for all people to know him, for the world to know that he exists and that they should give him the place he deserves. And we're also going to ask the Lord to stretch out his hand as a divine physician and that he heal and deliver many. There are many people that are suffering of evil spirits, of witchcraft and sorcery. And we will ask the Lord so that he too may deliver because he has promised this. He promised he would be delivering. So let us pray. O blessed Lord, almighty, heavenly father, creator of the heavens and earth, our God, our true God, you were at the very beginning when the light was created when you created that human side of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the world is unaware and denies it. But we, we have found you. We have discovered your existence. We have seen that you are a real God. We have seen, Lord, when we read the Bible, that you bring it to life. That you, you send the power of your Holy Spirit to us to bring all of the scriptures to life. And although they are scriptures that are thousands of years old, even till this day, they are valid. They remain. It's as if it was just yesterday that they were written or that you spoke it. But when you spoke in your wisdom, you spoke for all times, for yesterday, today, and tomorrow, for all ages, for the years that have passed, for the years that we've lived and the years to come. That is that yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Thank you, Father, for your love, for your mercy. Thank you for looking upon us with eyes of mercy and help us. Help us so that we are able to evangelize and spread your word and to speak to people about you so that they may know you, that you are the true living God. You are that light that shines and that you give peace and happiness to many. Thank you, my Lord. And in this moment, we ask and pray for those that are ill. You know, Lord, there are diverse diseases. Stretch out your hand and may you heal those people, men, women, children, the elderly people of all ages, those that are suffering of incurable diseases, and some have no money to go to the doctor. So they are waiting for you to work a miracle in their bodies and heal them, for you to deliver them. Also, all those that are victims of witchcraft, may you deliver, may you rebuke those evil spirits, may you cleanse and deliver each person. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, eternal God, 
Lord, may you also supply all the needs of many. May you look at the desires of the hearts and petitions of people that you may provide. Father, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord. Glory to your name forevermore. El gozo del Señor, mi fortaleza es. El gozo del Señor, mi fortaleza es. El gozo del Señor, mi fortaleza es. Y su gozo sin medida Él me da. Si tienes ese gozo, puedes tú cantar. Si tienes ese gozo, puedes tú danzar. Si tienes ese gozo, puedes tú gritar. Y su gozo sin medida Él te da. El gozo del Señor, mi fortaleza es. El gozo del Señor, mi fortaleza es. El gozo del Señor, mi fortaleza es. Y tu gozo sin medida Él me da. Si tienes ese gozo, puedes tú cantar. Si tienes ese gozo, puedes tú danzar. Si tienes ese gozo, puedes tú gritar. Y su gozo sin medida Él te da. Glory to our God. The honor be for the Lord. Thank you very much to everyone. May God bless you for all of the children kisses and for all of you a big hug. Until next time, thank you.